and welcome to episode 14 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again on today's episode. Of course, we got to dive into that juicy NBA offseason. You know what I'm talking about. That time of year, every time your phone vibrates, you have a little panic attack. You're like, whoa, Shams, talk to me. What's going on? I call it F5 season because you're always refreshing, trying to get the latest because really the NBA regular season we've known for the last couple years, it's been all about the Warriors going to the finals. But what we don't know is who's going to go where in the offseason. And this is another one that promises to be very exciting. And the dominoes are starting to fall. And really the big story right now is about Chris Paul. So CP3 apparently once out of Houston and his relationship with James Harden apparently is unsalvageable. This according to Vincent Goodwill, and he's reporting that CP3 is demanding a trade. And then Shams Sharkania also talked about it. Check out Shams talking about Chris Paul wanting his exit out of Houston. Chris Paul is owed $125 million over three years. There's not a team in the league right now that is like, I'm going to go trade for Chris Paul. Even some teams that they've called, I'm told, as just a dump, like, we'll give you Chris Paul for free. Those teams are like, we're, we're good. So the value just is not there right now. And then, of course, Chris Paul, he commented, he spoke, he commented on a Bleacher Report Instagram post saying, this is news to me. And then Daryl Morey also denied the report. But what are you supposed to do, okay? You never know about the turmoil while the player or the person is still there. Look with Magic Johnson. We didn't know what was going on with Magic until he left. Look at Antonio Brown. We didn't know the type of shenanigans that he was up to in Pittsburgh until he was gone. So until that player actually departs, you really don't get the full story. So I don't buy that one bit. And just a couple thoughts about this. We talked about Chris Paul a couple weeks ago how that contract was so difficult to move if they wanted to. But I'm telling you, CP3, you have no leverage at all whatsoever. This is the third team you tried to force your way out. You tried to force your way out of New Orleans and you were successful. You forced your way out of the Clippers and you were successful. Now you're trying to force your way out of Houston. And trust me, if Houston could move you, they would. They would put you on a NASA rocket as soon as they got the deal done and ship you off to whoever would want that albatross of a contract. Because I'm telling you that Chris Paul contract is the worst contract in the NBA. This contract for Chris Paul, he's a 34-year-old, injury-prone, undersized, not ideal for the current NBA style of play point guard who's going to be making $44 million at the age of 36. He's still owed $125 million and no one is going to no one is going to rush to take on that deal. No one is going to want that contract because really not only is he declining, he's just not reliable. He's played an average of 58 games over the last 2 years and really I just think that things are all coming full circle with Chris Paul. I mean, he forced his way out of the Clippers, which would have been a much better situation. You have the wealthiest owner in sports 
a, 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 an owner that sees $44 million as lunch money, right? A true wealthy owner. I remember my man Chris Rock talking about the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Shaq is rich. Wealthy is the guy who signs Shaq's checks, okay? And he had a good thing going with the clip show, but he wanted to pair up with with James Harden. And for him not to see that that wasn't going to eventually be a bad fit for what he brings to the table, I don't know what to say because Chris Paul, he needs the ball in his hands to be effective. He needs to pound the rock and give him some credit. Yes, he did transition to switching gears and playing more off the ball, more two guard with James Harden, but apparently he's not happy about the style of play and he wants to mix things up, have a little more ball movement. And I'm just thinking, guys, Rockets, you guys were a hamstring away. Were a th- Look, let's be clear here. This doesn't happen if they don't go 0 for 27 from beyond the arc in that game seven. If Chris Paul doesn't hurt his hamstring, they go on to the finals, and we're not talking about this. And really, you should be rallying the truth. I don't see why they're doing this right now, considering what has happened with the Warriors. The Lakers, yes, they just got Anthony Davis. We'll talk about the purple and gold in a second here. But you got to see this as your window of opportunity that looked like it was shut. That window should be cracked open knowing that the Warriors are going to be without Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson and that it could be anyone's game. Why aren't they getting together and really making a one last run at this? Instead, you have just turmoil in Houston and it looks like there's just complete dysfunction. And really... We should be. We should have seen this a long time ago. We should have known this with the State Farm ads. I mean, come on. Look at Chris Paul and James Harden. James Harden wrecked Chris Paul's kitchen. Check this out. It's a good thing you kept your fire extinguisher up to date. Don't worry about the smoke damage. I can help. What did you do to your kitchen? What did you do to my kitchen? I ain't do nothing. It's easy to... That's not me. I can, like, he has a beard just like me, you know, like, I, I mean, the beard is pretty dope, you know, honestly. Are you serious um, right now? That's not me. James, that's you. And then apparently James Harden didn't appreciate Chris Paul's rendition of the Backstreet Boys. I want it that way. Ain't nothing but a So look, man. When it comes to the NBA, if you're if you're that if you're that size, if you're six feet, six foot one, yes, you can have the speed of Allen Iverson, right? You can be like Isaiah Thomas, where you're a great scorer, you're very fast. But other than John Stockton, most guys at this age are gonna break down. And Chris Paul, he's aging like guacamole in the heat, man. He is starting to fade very quickly here, and. This is just this is this is just what it's going to be for Chris Paul. No one is going to take that contract. You show me a team where Chris Paul's contract makes sense to. I've heard people talk about Hassan Whiteside and Goran Dragic to the Heat for Chris Paul. 
Last time I checked, Pat Riley was a competent team president. Last time I checked, he was making moves to get them Larry O'Brien's, or as Kawhi Leonard calls it, the Larry O'B, not trading for a Chris Paul and a terrible contract. I mean, the only fitting thing would be if you could trade John Wall, who has the other worst contract in the league, for Chris Paul and flip then, but I would actually rather have John Wall's contract than Chris Paul's because at least John Wall is younger, and if he is able to salvage any of that career, then you could look at that, but it's really just a bad situation for Chris Paul and the Rockets, and really you have to wonder what exactly is going on, and this is just what happens. You made your bed. You committed to Chris Paul. It netted you a Western Conference Finals appearance. It netted you one game away from being in the NBA Finals, and those are the type of sacrifices you make. When you push your chips in, okay, and you go all in, there's a chance that that's, you're not going to cash in. There's a chance that you're going to lose that hand and you start from scratch. You don't get to go back and take some of those chips back. That's not how this game works, okay? And that's just what the Rockets are going to have to deal with. And unfortunately, that's the situation they're at. Now, the Rockets, I'm surprised that they made that wink-wink deal, okay? When they traded for him, they didn't have to extend him. Okay, you didn't have to give him that long term deal. And if I'm the Rockets, I would have said, hey, business is business. We're not going to move forward with you. And it wouldn't have been the first time that's happened. Now, Chris Paul's in a situation where he's unhappy in Houston. And now the Rockets and James Harden are unhappy because James Harden, he's a guy that he's averaging over 35 a game. He's a guy that has really started to make sacrifices. You see him training after the game more. You see his weight down a little bit, and he's in better shape than he was in the years past. He's only going to strip clubs every night, not every night of the week. He's going once a week, so he's cut down his strip club attendance. And really, you got to feel for James Harden, man, because he's stuck with this with this Chris Paul CP3, this version of Chris Paul that's just not going to be an elite player, only playing 58 games last couple years, and that's really going to be that. And really, if you're the Rockets, look, you got them from the Clippers, right? What is a Clipper? A Clipper is a boat. A Clipper is a sailboat, okay? And what do they say about boats? A boat is a hole in the water that you throw money into. And they also say the happiest days of buying a boat are the day you buy it and the day you sell it, okay? And unfortunately, that's going to be the case for the Houston Rockets, whether they are able to find a, a, a GM that's hell-bent on ending his career or, or they're going to be stuck with Chris Paul because he's not going anywhere unless somebody wants to make that move. That move is such a bad move that even the Los Angeles Lakers would even consider that. I don't want to hear about him going to the Los Angeles Lakers because the Lakers, one, they want to extend Anthony Davis the next year, and two, they want cap space. They're trying to free up cap space as we speak to try to get some contributors or try to free up one more max slot. So, hey, look, don't get it twisted. Yes, you and LeBron James are friends, okay? But that doesn't mean you guys are going to work together, okay? That banana boat would sink if he goes to the Clipper, uh, to Los Angeles. But I also want to say NBA players, 
the grass isn't always greener, okay? And you have to remember, you have to evaluate the situation that you're in. And if you look at guys like Dwight Howard, he goes to the finals, face of the league at one point. He beats LeBron. He demands that trade out of Orlando, and he's currently looking for work right now, okay? He's getting clowned on wild and out for all of his spots that he's been. If you look at Carmelo Anthony, he leaves a very, very good situation in Denver to go to New York. And yes, you're playing for the Knicks. His his brand probably benefited from that. But had that worked out for Carmelo? He's another guy who will is volunteering his services, right? He's a guy that they just basically put on a put it in a cardboard box and push it to the sidewalk and said free on it, okay? Nobody wants Carmelo Anthony. And then CP3, Kyrie Irving, you can even make the case, why did you demand that trade based on everything you've had to deal with? But it's just, it's it's a it, they're in a bad, bad situation. And really, I don't think they're going to be able to get out of it when really they should just rally the troops and do whatever they can do to salvage whatever run they have left in them because nobody's going to want to take on that deal. That's a lot of George Washington's for a guy that's had so many issues in the last couple years. He's getting older. And really, if you're wondering what are the worst contracts currently in the NBA, I'll give you my list. Here's my list of the worst contracts currently in the NBA. And I have right at the top, this one might surprise you, I have Blake Griffin. So Blake Griffin, he signed that five-year, $173 million deal, and he still has an extra four years remaining on it. So he has four years remaining, and even though when healthy, he's still a decent player. I mean, he made an all-star team this year, gave you over 25 points per game, but this is another guy that's really had some issues with injuries. I mean, this is a guy who's dealt with toe, back, knees. I mean, this guy has been in the shop more than a mid-90s Range Rover, so I guess it helps the fact that he's in Detroit in Motor City. Maybe they, maybe they can keep him on the court, but really, I mean, this is a guy, yes, 25-8-5. and five. I love his game when he's in there, okay? He's very, very explosive, and he's, he's developed that three-pointer, but in the back half of that deal, he's going to take up a lot of that cap space. The Detroit Pistons, their cap is going to be is going to be tied down to that until 2022. But next, I have John Wall. You probably think John Wall I have higher on this list, but really the fact that John Wall he's still under 30. He's but he's a guy that look at his deal. I mean, at the end of his deal, he'll be 33, still younger than Chris Paul. And he'll get $46.8 million in the final year of that contract. So a monstrous extension. When that kicks in, they're going to be paying him tons of money. And 41 games played last season, only 32 this year. So only 32 years, 32 games this season, 41 the year prior. That's not going to get it done. You're basically talking about Grant Hill with the Magic or Penny Hardaway late in his deal. I mean, as good as you are when you're on the court, your best abilities, your availability, and if he's not playing in games, then really he's going to be a bust for the for the Wizards. So that one's bad. And then I got Nicholas Batum. Nicholas Batum, he signed a five-year, $120 million. By the way, I am not mad at you, Nicholas Batum. Get that money. Secure that bag, okay? Do you. This is not a slight to you. I'm glad you got paid. But still, three years remaining, and... 
the Hornets, they're just kind of they're irresponsible spenders sometimes, okay? I mean, look what they did. They get Bismack Biombo, that big deal. And even the Charlottes, even if they get the best version of Nicholas Batum, I mean, come on, that is a lot of scratch for a guy that's not going to be an all-star caliber player. And then the second worst contract, we talked all about him at the beginning of the show, Chris Paul. Four years, $160 million, and really, they got him at such a high price, and they didn't need to. It was a wink-wink handshake deal. They didn't need to give, give him that money, but I guess give the Rockets credit for being loyal. Apparently, Fertitta was not happy that they did it, but really, at age 36, CP3 is going to pocket $44 million in the final year of that deal. And really, he's lost more than a step. We talked about it a lot. My issues with Chris Paul. If he was, if he was on a, a lesser, lesser years, lesser money, I think he could help a team that's close to a championship. But that's the kind of money you pay your franchise player. That's superstar caliber money. And right now, he is not a superstar. He's not even an all-star. So that's a bad deal. And then the worst contract in the NBA right now, you guys know this one. I call it the, he's the Bernie Madoff of NBA players, Chandler Parsons. Chandler sliding into your DMs, Parsons. Four years, $95 million deal. And this guy, he's he signs a, a contract of... Close to $100 million, and he's getting knee surgeries. And this guy, check this out. In the three seasons in Memphis, three seasons in Memphis, Parsons has never played more than 36 games, okay? And his best year, his best year with the Grizzlies, this is what he averaged, 7.9 points per game, 2.5 rebounds, 1.9 assists, okay? It's just it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Worst investment in the NBA right now. I mean, that's some like pyramid scheme level, Bernie Madoff level 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 um stuff. Some honorable mentions, I would say Tristan Thompson, five years, eighty two million. But you gotta pay you gotta pay some guys. I know Clutch Sports and LeBron James really finagled that deal and got him paid, but hey, he's got a little crossover star power with his involvement with the Kardashians, and he can rebound for you. That's a, that was an honorable mention. Timothy Mozgov, thought about throwing him in here. Four years, $64 million, two years remaining on that deal. And really, he's a guy that um, that's a tough one. Also, really consider putting Ryan Anderson on this list. Four years, $80 million, two years remaining on his deal. And he's a guy, that one was a stretch. They Rockets... That's another one the Rockets dealt with. They were able to move that. So the fact they were able to move that really was was uh, was showing that at least somebody wanted his services. And then Tyler Johnson, I don't know if I love that deal. That's the one I, I kind of, out of respect didn't want to didn't want to throw him in here. But four years, fifty million, two years remaining on his deal, and really it all be, that was kind of because Brooklyn made a big offer sheet on him with more than $19 million so for two seasons. But they signed, he signed that offer sheet. So those are the worst deals. But uh, next we're going to talk about the breaking news this morning. The, the, actually, before we get to that, I want to give you the worst contract in sports history. 
This you got you got the worst contracts in NBA history, the worst contract ever in sports history. Drum roll, please. You know what I'm about to say. You know whose name I'm about to say, and that is Bobby Bonilla. Yep, Bobby Bonilla. And most people, July, it's about celebrating 4th of July barbecues. For Bobby Bonilla, it's when he celebrates getting that check from the New York Mets. So he gets a check from the New York Mets for one point one nine two four eight. Two zero one point one million dollars every July, and it's up until the year two thousand thirty-five. He's going to get a one point one million dollar check from the Mets up until two thousand thirty-five. And really, my favorite thing about this it was a deal that he made with the Mets that was orchestrated by a life insurance agent. Okay. Bobby Bonilla has not played baseball since 2003, and he hasn't played with the Mets since 1999. But, hey, give him credit. He signed that deal. Maybe more players. You've seen players have issues with managing their money. Maybe it was, it'd be a smart thing for players to do something like that and spread things out. But that is by far the worst contract in sports history. Some honorable mentions there. You throw in Jake Cutler's was a bad deal. Um, Josh Hamilton with the Rangers. Charlie Weiss at Notre Dame was a bad one. 18 mil for Charlie Weiss. And Albert Hainsworth was terrible. But anyways, next we're going to talk about Mike Conley Jr. So Mike Conley Jr., he gets dealt today to the Utah Jazz. Sharon, they're ready to head into a rebuild. Uh, Mike Connolly with two years left on his deal and still in the prime of his career was a target for several teams but Utah has been focused in on him uh, really since the trade deadline in February. Um, they're going to lose Ricky Rubio in free agency. They wanted to upgrade at that position and the idea of partnering Mike Connolly with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, uh, this Jazz team that uh, needed another playmaker, another player who could take some offensive pressure off of Donovan Mitchell and really one of the great professionals in the league. This is for Utah uh, and, and their opportunity to move up in the West. He, he's a perfect fit for them. And really, that's a great move for the Utah Jazz. They get Mike Conley, a player who he comes in hungry, a player that's ready to make his first All-Star game, a player that has really tried to get Memphis the last of the grit and grind era. Marcus Saul is gone. Tony Allen's gone. Zebo, Zach Randolph is gone. And this is going to be a nice, refreshing change of scenery for a point guard that's really been quietly one of the best and most elite point guards in the NBA for quite some time. And it's a good deal for Memphis. Memphis... They get in the deal. They get Grayson Allen, and they also get some first-round picks, but they also get a $70 million uh, contract off their books, and they send him to there. So you got to give them credit. The Jazz make a power move. And give credit for Sham Sharkania. Sham Sharkania, the athletic, he beats Woj to another story. Like I said, it's like the AI Ty Lue picture with Shams being AI, 
in Woj being Ty Lue because he's stepping over him and he's getting these – he's really flexing on him. So give Shams credit. He's really stepping it up with his reporting. And I really like this deal for the Jazz. I, I, I'm cool with it for the Grizzlies. Also, that'll tell you right there that the Grizzlies – are probably going to draft Ja Morant. So I'll tell you right now, the Memphis Grizzlies will draft point guard Ja Morant from Murray State. It opens it up. It's very obvious with that move. And I'm also going to predict that Mike Conley Jr. will get his first all-star appearance in his career. And he's going to do it next year. The Jazz are going to be good. Donovan Mitchell, he's just such a phenomenal player. You ask me, Donovan Mitchell versus Ben Simmons, give me Donovan Mitchell every day of the week. I love Donovan Mitchell. I love the spider. This guy is unbelievable, and he's just competitive. He can shoot. He's like the combination of Dwayne Wade and Kyrie Irving. Russell, he's got so many skills that uh, I love I love Donovan Mitchell. You pair him with Mike Conley Jr., you put him off the ball. He can mentor him. And like I said, Mike Conley Jr. is going to be making his first all-star appearance next year. And it got me thinking, who are the best players in the NBA to never make an all-star team? Here's my list. Best players to never make an all-star team in the NBA, starting with Josh Smith. So Josh Smith, he had some really solid years with the Atlanta Hawks. And then he went to the Pelicans, went to the Clippers. There was a a time when he was like... Uh, a, a kind of a stronger version of of Lamar Odom, a more uh, forward version of, Mar- of Lamar Odom, but he didn't make one. Cedric Maxwell, you go way back to the 1981 NBA Finals. He wins NBA Finals MVP, only guy in history to win a Finals MVP and not make an all-star team. And really, it's a bummer for him because he was great. Man, He attacked the rim. He had a true shooting percentage of 62.9%. And then Ron Harper. Ron Harper was a great player for the Clippers. He had his best years with the Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Averaged almost 20 a game, five assists, five rebounds. But don't worry, he will go on to be Mr. Championship. He was like secretly what Robert Ory was before Robert Ory. Wherever he goes, he wins a championship. He won one with Michael Jordan's Bulls. And then he also played for the Lakers and won one in 2000 with Kobe and Shaq. Also a lockdown defender, one of the great defenders of his era. And then Jamal Crawford, Jay Smooth. He didn't make an all-star team in his career, which really bums me out. Two-time six-man of the year award winner, an all-time get buckets guy, an all-time, if we go to Rucker right now and play some street ball, he's going to give you some serious moments. He's going to cross you up. I love Jamal Crawford. Then Mike Bibby. Mike Bibby. For these current NBA fans, if you don't know how good Mike Bibby was in the playoffs, this guy easily, you would say, he was he was terrifying with the ball, a big-time shot maker, and he, he, he nearly led them to a finals appearance in 2002, but uh, he didn't make an he had a, he didn't make an all star team. Then Mike Conley, we talked about this guy with with the West so stack Curry, Paul, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard. It's been hard for him to crack that all star lineup. And then Marcus Camby, Marcus Camby, I can't believe he didn't make an all star team. Seventeen seasons, one of the best rim protectors of his era, and 
a four-time all-defensive team nod. So he makes that all-defensive accolade, but didn't get that. Monte Ellis, man, Monte Ellis at his peak was a great player. He averaged over 24 assists, two steals per game. And really, I think he should have made it in 2015 with the Mavs, but no Monte Ellis. Tony Kukoc, Tony Kukoc, he was really instrumental to a lot of that Bulls success in the second three-peat. And he's another guy. He's won a six-man of the year, three Larry OBs. And, yeah, he didn't make it. Tony Kukoc, he really should have made it in 1999, of course. But uh, but you had a lockout. So you had a lockout. He would have probably made it in 1999, though. And then number one, the best player, in my opinion, this is a guy who I've seen more than any of these players to not make an all-star team, was Lamar Odom. So Lamar Odom and this guy was a Swiss Army knife, immensely talented, and really uh, watching him, Lamar Odom in his prime was just a treat. This guy could, 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 could dribble. He could run the floor. He'd take it all 94 feet coast to coast. And really, as a rookie, averaged 16.6, 7.8 rebounds, four assists. And really, man, this guy was, was just great. He was a, a pivotal part of that 2009, 2000. 10 championship run, won two rings with the Lakers, and man, he was on the cusp. I remember he had a little star shaved in his head one year because he wanted to make the all-star team, but Lamar Odom, I think, really should have made an all-star team, but that's my list for the best all-star teams, never to best players never to make an all-star team in NBA history. And lastly today, did you guys see Max Scherzer? He bunts it. Off his nose. He was supposed to start tonight, but he won't be playing because he broke his nose in batting practice on a bunt. Just laying down some casual bunts from the right arm of Bob Henley. This one ricochets and hits him in the face. He's wearing some glasses there, and it did cut Max on that nose right eye area. Obviously in some pain initially. Walked off the field with trainer Paul Lassard there. A little bit of blood coming from that nose and a scary situation for a guy who's scheduled to start tomorrow, though. I mean, you're talking about scary. When you think about the National League East, I will say this. The National League East will go through the... He goes from no-hitters to nose-hitters. Max Scherzer, he won't be playing. And I know I've seen the trolls. They're saying, oh, go trade him to the American League where there's no bunting and the DH is better than... No DH. Come on now. National League style baseball all day, every day. But my favorite is if you saw the guy pitching to him, the BP coach, he's giving him this look like, you know, like you should be wearing your helmet, Max Scherzer. Like he was very disappointed in him. But that was a pretty unfortunate moment for a Washington Nationals team. They lose Bryce Harper in the offseason. And this is just kind of a microcosm of their season. And really, you got to wonder if they're going to start unloading. Maybe a Sean Doolittle to the Dodgers. That would definitely help bolster the Dodgers' bullpen and bring a a nice uh, bridge to Kenley Jansen. But check that out if you haven't seen that. Max Scherzer getting his – he broke it his nose. If you remember a long – he broke it his nose in batting practice on a bunt. But thanks for checking out – Thanks for rocking with us today on episode 14 of the Get More Sports Podcast. We're going to be back on Friday. We got a big one for you guys Friday. I'll be throwing out all my NBA free agent predictions. 
And we're going to dive into all that. Already had Kyrie go to Brooklyn. Looks, looks like that's a lock. But uh, thanks for rocking with us. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. Follow me at DMAC underscore LA on Twitter. Have a great rest of your day, and I'm out.